Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? You know, I'm better. Uh, I'm better. You know, I'm settling in my new work. With your new desk. With my new desk. Uh, settling in. I'm, I'm cracking a beer. It's a Michelob Ultra. Yeah. My favorite. Which means you're keeping up with the keto. Keto beer. Yeah. You know, dude. I'm having really good results. You you really are. It's it's almost inspired me to do the same, but pass. I like Hard French pass. fries and spaghetti. Dude, you know me. I like those things as much as anybody. So that is a, a easy, easy thing for me to lust after. But, you know, it's like anything else. You make up your mind and you just start rolling with it. So No. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I disagree. For me to give up French fries and spaghetti would be... I'd sooner abandoned my left pinky well i mean maybe you could do both you'd lose you'd lose weight <laughs> a finger <laughs> true and then i wouldn't have to give up spaghetti and you'd lose weight because you gave up spaghetti it's 90 days we're doing 90 days man that's a long time yeah i mean but in the grand scheme of things it's like uh, only like a fifth of my life i mean that's true and i guess that's only like three i only make spaghetti about once a month you know i think my plan is this but i have french fries a lot more than that so. my plan is to do this for 90 days and then depending on where i am at with my weight goals because i have weight goals right you know it's kind of i feel like it's not uh super cool to talk about weight goals but i have weight goals right uh so depending on where i am with that at the end of the 90 days you you know maybe try something different for a little while so i can continue to make my weight goals but then i think my plan because you know me you've known me for 10 years a long time at this point longer than that like 12 years you have seen my sort of journey. I, I love to eat, man. And so I'll go through phases where I'm just cooking every day and eating fat and eating a lot and drinking hard. And, you know, so I gain the weight. You know, I can fluctuate as much as 30 pounds in a year or two. And I have. And, you've and you know, so since you you're on track to do that. that, that's right. So I think what I'd like to do is sort of set a like a max weight that's, mm. that's sort of, a you know, above my my goal weight but not so far above that it's super daunting to get back and use keto to regulate you know so i hit that weight and then i've got to get down to 10 pounds and i'm going to do keto for that 10 pounds i would just pick a pair of pants well i could do i could do that too like when i can when i no longer fit into these pants then it's time. I, I think I could do that too. You know, my brain's a little bit more numbers based. So I think that might be easier. You know, I think it's easy to sort of, well, they, don't, they fit okay. They don't fit that bad. You know? I will have no problems <laughs> telling you, Everett, your not skinny jeans are skinny jeans. I just got a pair of pants the other day and I put them on and they were called, they were called straight fit, which is the type of pants that I usually wear because I'm a, also a, a thick dude. Uh, and I put them on and my wife was like, oh no, those look okay. And I walked, as I turned around to go look in the mirror, she's like, yeah, no, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) They're a little snug. (laughs) Well, you you know, talking about diets isn't super cool, but, you know, I think for probably a lot of our listeners, it's something that they've either thought about or or had to start thinking about. So I I don't feel too bad about talking about it, but I'll move on. But when we look at the demographic of our listenership, they're all roughly our age, which means they're all going through exactly the same metabolic shifts we are as well. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think there's there's a metabolic shift, and I think there's also just the shift of becoming a parent and becoming a professional and, you know, making time to work out um, or, or to plan meals is, is a significant portion of your day when your day is all work and kids and, you, you know, I wake up in the morning, first thing I do is get the kids ready, I take the kids to school, I go to work. I try to work for as many hours as I can. I come home and then, you know, it's dinner time and it's bedtime. And and then only then at that point do I have Everett time. And, and you know. At that point, I, it's 9 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, maybe 8.30. And so, you know, gosh, maybe we want to watch a show or whatever. And you watch one or two shows on Netflix and that's it. That's your whole entire day. And that's every day. So being trying to make time to be mindful of this thing this stuff can be can be a challenge um but you know you make little shifts and you and you shift priorities and it's and it's doable and you realize once you're into it okay i can do this but when you're on the outside looking in it's a big challenge yeah i uh i actually had a nice little win chalked up in the andrew column today i had to go do a uh an ekg uh today and i had my shirt off you know to get all the all the 
what are those called? Connectors, the pads, electrodes attached to me. And the, the nurse says... I think they call them pasties. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. And the <laughs> the uh, the nurse is like, oh, you look like a runner. Are you a runner? And I was like, <laughs> I did, that's exactly what you I did. You fucking liar. No, that's exactly what happened. And I was like, oh, that was so nice of you. But no, not even kind. <laughs> I look like a runner. My ass. Like, that was so nice of you. <laughs> she was a sweetheart. She really was. Total liar. Yeah, I guess I guess laying down my my kidney pads are <laughs> hidden from view. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a nice little combo. I was like, I don't get that very often. So now is the is the EKG part of uh, a job application process that you're going through? Yes, it's part of a battery of exams I'm uh, going through to move into a law enforcement role. So. Andrew is actually trying out to be on the next Gemini mission for like, like he's doing all the tests. They doing the right stuff. Yeah. All of the tests. So he's got to do that, that poop test where they have to run down the hallway holding their butts and the, and the colostomy bags, or I don't know what they are. I do that anyway. Have home. you seen the right stuff recently? I haven't. Have you ever seen the right stuff? I haven't. We talked about this last week. We I, were playing no, Mario that, Kart. That's why I asked you on the, on the air. <laughs> this guy has never seen the right stuff. So I try to tell him it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, I'm not sure he believes me. I do. I do believe you. I, I, you have yet to demonstrate that I can't trust your taste in movies. It's so good. So, it's super duper. It's on the list. Well, how are you other than that? Other than your uh, anal testing that you've been doing? Oh, that's just on my own time. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm doing good. I, I'm obviously staying busy. And like we were talking about making time, I'm, I'm a little bit behind in my reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I... I'm thinking about amending my audiobook part because I spend so much time in the car. And once I hit my 12 audiobooks for the year, starting to count anything beyond 12 towards my goal of reading 60. Okay. Um, I think that's reasonable. Because I have so much time spending. I'm on my, my fifth audiobook for the year, and it's February 21st. Well, it's possible that'll change though, right? That you won't be spending as much time in your car. I still spend, everyone spends a lot of time in their car. You you know, when I was in Portland, (laughs) I was listening to audiobooks during my commute because my commute every day would be anywhere from 50 minutes to an hour and five in in the car, both ways. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a book every week and a half. That's right. So, and I was listening to a lot, but when I moved down to Eugene, my commute went down to like, 15 minutes like that and so that whole part of my life i I realized that i wasn't getting a big enough bite of the book during Mm. my commute to you you know the progress would be slow or it would be um you you know so sporadic that i would lose things and so i stopped i haven't listened to an audiobook and except on a drive you know a long drive i haven't listened to an audiobook in a long time i listened to many i just started my next one and we'll we'll circle back to the one that i just listened to but i just listened to a man on the moon by andrew chaikin made me very excited about the space age. Hmm. Uh, one of the things they said, and we can talk about this when we get back to other things, but one of the things they said is that they, it, it's like JFK spliced a section of the 21st century and dropped it into the 1960s. Because since the end of the Apollo missions, there's been some space activity, but it, it almost doesn't fit in that era, in the, in the explosion of technology and development and, and research and innovation that hasn't been seen since, mm. at, le- at least very specifically in that field. Uh, but it was fascinating and, and reignited a, I mean, I think a lifelong passion for most people is the, the cosmos. Well, so we're going to, you said we're going to get yeah, back to that's, that and that's other stuff. My, oh no, I hit the mic cord. So that might be a weird sound. Sorry for that. Sorry people. Uh, but yeah, we'll, that's my other thing is, is that whole bit. So we'll, we, you know what, we're at, we're at about the time when we can. Yeah. Well, well, what are we talking about? Nobody knows. Obviously these people listening don't know because they didn't read it on the title. And uh, we should let the, let, let the anticipation build. Let it build. Yeah. Let it build. And today we're talking a brand that we're familiar with, um, that has some cool, really cool offerings. Uh, and I think a brand that I don't know, I, it's not front of mind in my consciousness when I'm thinking about watch purchases. Yeah, no, me uh, either. And it's not a micro. It's not a, a new up and comer. It's a it's a brand that's been around for, I mean, basically since wristwatches came around. Uh, and it's it's one that I don't understand. Again, like Bulova, why it doesn't get the 
get the attention that I think it probably deserves. Well, so we haven't said the word. Tiso is the brand. Tits out? Tits out. Uh, I will say, you know, I, there was a lot of, in my mind, a lot of comparisons to, to Bulova as I was researching for this episode and reading about Tiso. I don't think Tiso has made the mistakes in marketing that Bulova has, but there was an interesting idea that kept coming back as I was researching this brand. Uh, Tiso tagged along, man. Mm-hmm. They were a tag along. They were, they're probably the most lucky brand in all of watchmaking, right? Because they should have died. Yeah. They should have died, and they would have died. But they rode coattails. But they rode coattails. And, and maybe that's unfair. And so so caveat to that statement, because I, I, I subscribe to it, because I, I, I think that's true. But Tissot, I think, in and of themselves, is a phenomenal brand with a phenomenal history, um, and, and it's done great things. But they found their niche, and they ran with it. They, they didn't try to be something they weren't capable of doing. They didn't become something that... They didn't try to force something that wasn't... That wasn't. They they found their, their niche... Niche... Niche? Nietzsche. Nietzsche. It's pronounced Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Okay. Nietzsche. They found their Nietzsche and they ran with it. Yeah. And I think that's that's admirable is, is recognizing your place in the world and embracing it. Yeah. I mean, and, and, it, and you know, having the benefit of having joined up with SSIH, you know, or, or with Omega to create SSIH in the 30s. Um, and, and then and then later to, to essentially join what would become Swatch Group. Um you know, certainly bolstered the background or, 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 you know, the foundation of what was TSO and what they had to operate on. Um, and, and I think that that's important to note because in that time, TSO was not doing things that really set them apart. And I think even now it's hard to point to any one thing TSO was doing and being like, bang, they do that better than anyone else. And, you know, I think, the other brands that we've talked about, whether that's Bulova or Omega, yeah, that that's right, you, you know, or, or or even some of the brands that we talk about week in week out, you, you know, Seiko or Casio, or Orient or Orient, you know, you know, there's not anything that I can tell that Tissot is nailing, but they do everything mm. they do, they do well. That's right. They don't have to be on the cutting edge, and they're totally cool with it. And being a part of Swatch Group, they don't have to be cutting edge on anything. They can just keep chugging along at their slow but steady pace, producing cool products with excellent technology and reap all the benefits. So going back to the very beginning, 1853 in Le Locle. I'm going to say Le Locle. Le Locle. I, I like Le Locle. And, and that's not the right pronunciation, but Jesus, I'm not going to say Le Locle. <laughs> when, when I read that, I I immediately thought... There is no way I'm going to attempt to say this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so 1853, Lalaqua, Switzerland, father and son, Charles and Charles, start... C2. C2. Start the Tissot and Sons Company, uh, Charles and Charles Tissot. So I, I think can't remember what dad's name was. Son was Charles Emile Tissot. Um, and and they, they start out as what's called a comptoir. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's how I want to I say like it. I like it. Comptoir. Comptoir. Which, that's a watch term, I guess, but it's it's an assembler of parts, essentially. So they would go to local or regional makers, get parts, use those parts to assemble a watch, and, and then sell that watch. Pocket watches at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, 1858, notably, and, and I'm not even sure why this is notable, but it's a huge part of their history. Charles Emile goes to... Charles Emil I, the the original son, goes to Russia. And blows it out of the water. Gets involved with it, finds the Tsar, says, hey, hey, Tsar. Hey, Tsar of Russia. <laughs> Can I start selling my watches What's here? What's up, homie? What's up? And the Tsar blesses him. And so he starts selling his watches in Russia with his, with his Tsar's permission, right? So a little bit later, he's got a son, also Charles Emil. Charles Emil the Younger sort of takes over the Russian operation. And and even more than dad, he's killing it. Just hustling. Freaking blowing it away. Um, you, you know, and they're selling pocket watches, for, right? Uh, late 18th century. Which they're still producing, by the way. Yeah, that's right. They are. Yeah. yeah. I, one, of the, one of the few companies that's still making, you know, uh, not just a novelty, but actually still making pocket watches that are meant to be used and, mm-hmm. and are actual watches that people might want. So really, late late 18th century, so late 1800s, 1890s, early into the early 19th century, Tissot, Tissot starts winning European awards for watchmaking and timekeeping 
uh, and, and lots of them, you know, they're winning these sort of international blue ribbon gold, gold award uh, prizes and become really highly, re highly regarded. So at, so late 1880s, Charles is really established in Russia and his kids, Paul and Marie. Now, these are the two most notable players. So beginning of the 20th century or beginning of the yeah, 20th century, Paul and Marie really cement what Tissot is, right? So they're, you know, uh, Paul is doing sort of outward stuff. Marie is doing sort of the back of the house stuff is what I'd call it. Um, and, and they blow it up. So with, with the foundation laid by great-grandpa, grandpa, and dad, they start blowing it up. And it just becomes a huge international company. No longer just Switzerland, you know, sort of the, the European and Russian angle. And all of a sudden, they're all over the map, blowing it up. And they start mass-producing uh, watches. So 1918, they, they totally reorganized their Ibache factories. Is that right? You're asking the wrong guy. So an Ibache, an Ibache, if I'm saying that right, I understand is sort of like... Iboche. 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 Uh, so Iboche, maybe. I listened to a pronunciation on YouTube today. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Iboche, I think. Uh, and Or Iboche. We can move on? Yeah, I think we ought to. Okay. <laughs> so they reorganized. <laughs> so prior to 1918, what they were doing is going to, you know... Uh, AAA watch movement company and buying what is called an eboche. And in painting, an eboche is a pre-sort of painted canvas that the finished painter paints on top of. And, and it's the same thing here. It's sort of a pre-made movement that you add an escapement and the finishing parts to. So, so you, you know, I guess balance wheel and uh, hairspring, you know, I, I don't know all the parts and I'm not going to learn them, but so they, they essentially, from the escapement out, make the watch from there. So in 1918, they transitioned to start making their own eboche. And at that point, they bring everything in-house and they start just raking in the bucks. Because I think my guess would be if you can do that efficiently in-house, your margins go way up. I would think so. They start killing it. 1930, they merge with Omega, making SSIH, not to be confused with SIHH. Very different. A different thing. Uh, and, and then and then SSIH just sort of kills it. I didn't do any looking, but I would like to see some of the Omega Tiso collaborations from the 30s. Gosh, I didn't see it either. Does such a thing exist? They do. Interesting. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see one. Yeah, we'll have to get one of these Instagram followers to send us one. Yeah. <laughs> and so 53 years later, Swatch Group is formed. And I didn't know this until today. The Swiss government forced that. Did you know that? I was not aware of that. So the two groups that formed to create the Swatch Group, which is... And, and I think this actually happened a little bit earlier, earlier than it became the quote-unquote Swatch Group. And I and I forget the names of what they made. But two groups are sort of killing it on the watch industry. And for some reason, the Swiss government forced them to join, which is almost the opposite, I think, of what we do here. We, you know, we have antitrust and monopoly laws. Like, we, yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Weird. So these two groups, they said, hey, you guys got to get together, forced them together. Swatch Group was born. And they all survived this course crisis. Yeah. Bingo. I think that mostly brings us to today, right? That, I think that brings us pretty much up to date. Your historian today has been R. Everett Meadows. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Yeah. I hope you did okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knows, right? We, we read this stuff, and I don't know if I'm right. Maybe the guy who wrote it was wrong. I don't oh, know. I mean, I read a couple different articles, but... I did. I, I mean, everything that I read lines up... Pretty nicely. With, you you with, guys can tell us what we got wrong. Yeah. Fill us in. Fill like in the blanks that. for us. Uh, one thing that I noted was that they are an official timekeeper for uh, cycling, motorcycling, fencing, and ice hockey. Fencing? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And for Danica Patrick. Uh, yeah, they do some Formula One uh, representation. Also, in... I always time Danica Patrick. Every time I see her, I'm timing her. Click. <laughs> uh, now, the cycling uh, in, the, in the modern iterations... They've got, uh, they've developed technology that, well, they probably didn't develop it, it's technology exists, but all the, uh, they have uh, transmitters on all of the bicycles that communicate to 
the uh, the different checkpoints and legs and stuff that create a more accurate timekeeping um, tool for bicycle races, which I thought was interesting. It makes perfect sense that it exists. I I probably would have imagined that eventually, but reading it, I was like, oh yeah, of course, that's exactly how they do it, and it makes perfect sense. But anyway, yeah, they're they are involved in the uh, in the official timekeeping for sports world as well. You know, and and like some of the other brands we've talked about, it seems like they've got this really sort of well cemented place. And, and I always wonder about that. You know, you know, we say, well, Omega's been the official timekeeper of X and X uh, Olympiads, and what does a company have to do to lose that status? I mean, I think they'd really have to poop the bed, as it were. I'm just trying to imagine a scandal that would destroy a watch company. Well, you know, companies like Rolex and and Omega and uh, you know, you know, perhaps Tissot are so sort of closed, right? We don't know anything about that company. I know Swatch Group is down on the last five years on the stock exchange. Oh, man. I saw this super interesting video today, which was, I think, the last 15 years or maybe 16 years. Or, you know, I think it went back to 2002, but it was a it was just a line graph of the most recognizable international brands and, you, you know, I think at the top, it was IBM up at the top, and, you know, it goes down, or Coca-Cola, IBM, McDonald's, you know, and, and so starting in 2002, and the clock starts running, and you can see their uh, market share shift. Oh, interesting. Uh, and it, it goes pretty slow, you, you know, it could have gone faster, I think the whole video was about five and a half minutes, but, you know, you see, at, at some point, you see uh, Apple pop up, and Apple just jumps to oh, the yeah. top, and, and, you know... Then a little bit later, Google pops up, or maybe Google first, Amazon, uh, Facebook, you know, and, and so the... And then Facebook starts dropping, falls off the map. Well, no, Facebook's still up there. I mean, it's still, you, you know, top... Oh, top MySpace, 10. MySpace was, yeah. MySpace never got in there. Oh, no, really? Yeah, and, and what really surprised me is that Facebook didn't break into the top 15 until, like, I don't know, 2017 or 2016, way later than I would have thought. Interesting. I would have thought 2000, like... 10 would have been kind of its when it's total global awareness you know if you'd have asked me before today i would have predicted that facebook spiked in the recession but it, it did not I mean, it's, it, it came out in like 2005 no earlier than that so when i was a freshman i had a facebook account you you had to be you a had college to student a yeah dot edu website to sign up yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm watching the cnn special on netflix called the 2000s it's fascinating and what's crazy about it is these are all, everything that's doing. It's it's highlighting all these things that occurred between 2000 and 2010, and they're all still so fresh in my memory. Right? Isn't and I'm that seeing weird? them like, oh man, that was like, I forgot about that. But I rem- like now that I'm seeing it, I remember, I remember seeing this image. Like I remember seeing these images of of Hurricane Katrina. And one thing that I didn't realize was the uh, what they called the golden era of television. And one thing I, I did not realize that that pre two thousand, cable TV, uh, HBO even weren't big players in television media. Right. Uh, and The Sopranos was really one of the biggest drivers to that change. And then Breaking Bad and Mad Men and uh, Dude, you know AMC and so FX good. come on, and yeah, it just made these huge sweeping changes in in media. Well, that sounds amazing. I really wish you would keep us on track, though. Yeah, oh yeah, that's my job. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I was responsible for that. I'm sorry. Whatever. I just shifted the blame. Other things we like. Uh, well, we're not there yet. This is life. <laughs> Bear with us, folks. You're fine. You're fine. So, should we get into our our usual habit of talking about offerings that that we like? We from should. This? And and we're gonna blast through these guys because I'll tell you what. A Tissot have painfully, disgustingly obscenely long references and so we're not going to read them you, they'll be in the show notes i'll put them in the show notes but i'm not reading them copy paste is as much as i'm ever going to do yeah they're like 16 characters yeah i mean it's like a it's like a dewey decimal number fuck these guys yeah they do have periods and you know you guys will be able to check these watches out we're going to blast through them we're going to tell you what we like we're going to kind of give you some references we're going to give you uh uh not some references we're gonna give you our usual take on the watch we'll give you our usual take but we're we're gonna blast through this because we've got a few of them you know i I think for me Tissot is kind of kind of unexplored territory so i was like well this is exciting i want to pick this one too i i I like this one i was aware of a couple of their watches going into this but i i wasn't fully aware of the depth of their catalog 
Um, I found some some watches that got me pretty excited. So I'll start. And I'm going to start with the uh, PR100 dual time. Reference on it is... (laughs) 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 And I love this dual time. Uh, At the the 9 o'clock, it's got what looks like like where I would expect a a date or a day indicator on a uh, on a subdial but that is in fact where their second time zone tracking is and this this uh, model that we have up is this is the the stainless steel case black dial with a red accented subdial and I'm telling you I this watch almost made it in my cart today it's it's Neighborhood of two hundred dollars on Amazon. What? Tissot has it for three forty on their website. Um, this is a quartz watch. Yeah, it's a quartz, so it's powered okay. by the Etta F zero six eight one one. But what got me most excited about it was the size. It's a thirty nine millimeter wide watch, twenty millimeter lugs, and it's only ten point one millimeters thick. Something that I really dug about the entire lineup of Tissot is they're all coming with sapphire crystal, mm-hmm. uh, which is something I didn't expect, especially at that price point on Amazon. For 200 money, you're getting a, a really refined GMT. I mean, it's a quartz GMT, but it's it's lovely. I, I love it. You, you know, I'm looking at this thing. I, I love the radial brushing radial no circular brushing mm-hmm. on the dial the dial is instead of a starburst a radial starburst it's a circular like concentric circles concentric circles and, and and they're tight you know it looks like it's brushed or you know either brushed or really finely machined and it's sick it's sick and i love the branding on it i don't love the 1853 get rid of the 1853 but everything else all the writing all the markers it's it's super subdued everything on it is really subtle and then just uh just that red uh roundel if you will but not a roundel uh just the <laughs> red sub-dial. circle around the around the the nine o'clock sub dial with that with that second time zone that's for you brad by the way and a i i really like that sub dial hand too that that needle needle hand that is very different than than the rest of the hands on there that that makes it super legible well and i can't tell for sure i i think this might be a render or at least it's a highly refinished photo but the um the actual hands themselves look to me like they have three surfaces on them they've got sort of a, a chamfer on each side and then a flat on the top which is dynamite mm-hmm. how many companies put that level of care into a 200 watch right the the price point on it is the other part that's exciting it's a it's a 200 ish dollar watch yeah no this is great and, and you know when you pulled this up i thought to myself oh that's great except that it's a 43 millimeter watch and it's fucking stupid 39 millimeters sweet great crown on it and, I, and you know, I, I think you're probably more inclined to quartz watches than I am. I'm sort of disinclined to like a quartz watch. But in terms of quartz watches, this is dope. I'm, I'm down with the quartz. We talked about this. Of course. We'll talk about it. We'll keep talking about it. Yeah. Until you eventually come around. Oh, see? Oh, and now I ever hit the table. I told you. So we've got these little mic stands, and they've got springs on them. And if you come anywhere near them, you breathe on them, the springs go... You hit the table. I know I did, but I think <laughs> I could just maybe damp these things. I think I could just wrap it like a, a rubber band or something around it. Like what we talked about. You could also just not hit the table. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I think it's great, man. And, and I love the fact that it's got a GMT complication. You know, I've been thinking more and more about uh, GMT complications. I feel like for me, I need to have one. I'll probably try to wait for these guys over at DMG. To do the dual crown? It, yeah, I, I think so. You, you know, uh, at least to see what it's like. Um but I, I'm sort of in the, I'm in there. I need to do it. When I saw the Monaco GMT when we were in Mexico, I almost made a, I, I wanted to make a, a very terrible decision. Well, I mean, you probably couldn't have at the time, so. <laughs> oh, see? You're a mess. It's like. I was under under tight supervision. You, yeah, that's right. You were. You were. You could have just asked to try it on and fucking bolted, but it's Mexico and that guard at the door had no, a shotgun. He would, have, he would have smoked me. No, it wasn't a shotgun. It was like a Mac-10. It was like a little <laughs> submachine gun. That's crazy, man. The guys with the giant guns just walking around in Mexico. Those were the ATM guys. 
Yeah. No, I know. I know. It's crazy. It still scared the shit out of me. You know, like, it's like when you when you go up to the ledge of a building and you imagine yourself jumping off. You're like, ooh, that would be bad. Like, who, why do you do that? There's a mental thing. Like, when I walk in and I see that shotgun, I'm thinking, what if I went and grabbed that bag of money and ran? That would be bad. You know, but why does that even run through your head? But I, th- I and like, I might just be so shocked you wouldn't know what to do. Because no one, everyone's like, oh, there's an armed guard. I'm not going to do anything. Okay, TSO PR100, check it out. My first watch. This is probably the coolest watch on either of our lists. I, I think you're right. TSO T-Touch. Tits out, T-Touch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know anything about this watch. I mean, until today, really, you know. I know um, Angelina Jolini, Jolie, Jolina. Jolina? Angelina, Angelina Jolina. Jolie, Jolie was spotted wearing one in Tomb Raider. That sounds like a Dolly Parton song. Angelina Jolina? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does. Um, so, you know, this watch, the, the only thing I know about this watch is when people are like, hey, I want a Breitling, what's that, aerospace? Mm-hmm. I want a Breitling aerospace, but I can't afford it. What should I get? This is the watch people say, oh, you should get the T- T-Touch because it's titanium. It's an anti-digi. Um, and, and it's going to do a lot of the same things. Well, I'll tell you, this is more than that. What's the price coming? I've got it for five twelve new. You can pick these up for two fifty to three hundred used in really good condition. So you, you, you know, if you want a new watch, I think you're going to pay at least five hundred. This is the the version two. There's also newer newer versions of this. Um, it also comes on a bracelet if that's what you want. It's got these funky integrated lugs, which some people are not going to like. Some people are just going to say no. Um, I've bought it up on the rubber because I love an integrated rubber strap. It's, I'm, I'm down for it, man. And, and I know that's that's a controversial take. I love it. I like them. Give me an integrated rubber strap. Titanium. It's sick. It's got a compass bezel. Uh, but more importantly, it is an ABC watch. That's a good price for an ABC. It's an ABC watch. And if you're going to get this or a ProTrek and they do similar things. Now, I will say, I don't know if the engine in here is as good as a ProTrek engine. I think Casio is killing it with their module their abc module but if you're gonna do if you don't need real serious accuracy up and, everything including time telling including time telling yeah we, we even time tell uh i think what i like about this thing well maybe maybe not what i like i think but the coolest thing about this is that it's got the ability to when you press this side the crown button uh you can then touch the dial it's got hot spots on the dial to go to your altimeter, to your chronograph, to your compass, to your alarm. You touch that compass point on the dial, and it automatically switches into compass modes. So I think that the long hand points at the direction, you know, at north, and the short hand points at south, I think. It might be reverse, reverse of that. But then you take your bezel, you turn it to meet with that, and you're compassed. How freaking cool is that that's pretty cool so you know i like the texturing on the on the dial too yeah and i don't know if that's actual or carbon pattern, fiber or... or if it's if it's faux fo- carbon fiber i don't know i don't i don't really care uh, if it's faux carbon fiber i wish they'd get with get rid of it but um yeah i, I mean functionality it's an anti-digi it's titanium it's got this sweet integrated rubber bracelet uh or rubber strap i dig it man i wonder um what the red indicator is from the two to the four. Oh, i don't know why well, you have to ask me something like that i man. didn't ask you i just said i wonder yeah but you're saying it like well, this is your watch you should know mm-hmm. i did so- I, I said it exactly like that that's what i was thinking <laughs> and even and it's 42 and a half millimeters that's which, a lot smaller than i thought it was going to be for i mean if this was a pro track it would be like 52 millimeters or 48 you know probably 55 yeah 80 call it 80 why not 330 feet of water resistance 200 meters uh you you know obviously quartz it's just incredible man i dig it so much and i reflective sapphire on the on the glass dude i might get one of these i I like it more having learned about it there's no reason for you to not get this watch right now well i mean there's 512 reasons for me not to get the watch but i i I will say (laughs) I didn't know what this watch was, and so when it would come up and that, you know, I want a Breitling Aerospace, what should I get? Well, you we should go to T-Touch. Breitling nice. Aerospace, duh. Well, but a Breitling Aerospace is a lot of a lot of dollars. So, a- a- anyway, 
I think it's great. I like it more after having read about it today. It's a watch that was on my radar already. Uh, having learned about it, I think, you know, if, if my choice is this or a pro track, I'm getting this, dude. Yeah, I think, I think you're right about that. Moving it along. All right. The uh, Quickster chronograph. I feel like I surprised you with my transition. You were like, oh, okay. like, oh, God, what do I do? <laughs> uh, so my next choice is the the Quickster Chronograph. Now, in the Quickster Chronograph, they released the NBA editions, wherein every uh, every NBA team is represented with a different NATO on the same Quickster. So uh, being a Portland native and an Oregonian and... Go Blazers! And as much a Blazer fan as a, as a really non-basketball watcher can be, hmm. I went with the Trailblazers edition. And I have to say, after looking at all of the NATO options, so I, is that no? No, it's not a true NATO, right? That's a two-piece. It looks that way. Yeah, I think it's a the, the canvas, a canvas strap. I don't know if is, that was important enough to interrupt you. It might have been. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> uh, the the differences between each of these each of these teams' uh, quicksters is just the the strap option and they have every every team's color scheme i liked the blazers the most after having looked at all the nba teams and it is this kind of bond style uh five stripe with um black outer two red two thin red inners and then a kind of admiralty gray well and and let me let me nerd out for a second too Mm -hmm. because a lot of times when you see sort of third-party blazer branded stuff they do black red and white Mm -hmm. which is og but for me, it's the black, red, and gray. They nailed it. And I don't know if they knew they nailed it, but they nailed it. It's got to be black, red, and gray. Don't put white in your blazer merch. It's black, red, and gray. You heard it here first. Hot take. Anyway, <clears throat> gosh. Tiso's got it for uh, $197.50 on their website. Amazon and Joma Shop have it at both at $179. And this is the, I mean, it's the Quickster Chronograph. I'm not a huge fan of the size. It's 42 millimeters. I've worn some 42 millimeter racing chronographs, and I should, I guess, talk about it a little bit. It is an all-white dial, the three sub-dials you'd expect, black black uh, tachometer scale bezel, a really great-looking racing chronograph. That I think oh, I, yeah. I think I could go for a little bit more, uh, a little more personality in the dial of a racing chronograph, um, just because it it it's not ever something that to me is going to fit in the dress watch category, which I think gives it an excuse to have a little bit more personality and a little bit more excitement. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they were probably hesitant to add colors to the dial when they were doing an NBA release, because then there would be some, some uh, illusion of favoritism. So they had to go with an all white and it, I mean, it, it looks great. It's it's a terrific combination, especially for an NBA collaboration. Um, 42 millimeters wide, uh, 19 millimeter lug width, um, 11 and a half millimeters thick. Tissot does the fucking stupid lug widths. Yeah. But again, sapphire crystal. And it's at Quartz Chrono. It's the Etta G10 211. Um, so just, I mean, exactly what you expect out of a, yeah. out of a Quartz Chronograph. But, and, and for under 200 bucks. Well, so a couple things I don't like, because I like it, and so we'll just start there. I like it. A couple things I don't like. One, for a 42mm watch, why the heck does it have that skinny bezel? Give me a bigger bezel. If you're going to give me a bezel, make the bezel substantial. I think you get this pie plate appearance. You know, the bezel's so big, and at 42 millimeters with that skinny little bezel, it's going to be, it's going to feel like a giant white disc on it, your wrist. It might, yeah. They could they could have standed to, to make a little bit thicker bezel on there. But I think they were trying to keep with that classic racing chronograph style with a, with a pretty slim bezel around the outside. And I mean, for, for a, a racing chronograph, this is a good example of one. Um, it's just not it's just not perfect the other thing i don't like for having such a blank canvas of a dial it's incredibly busy it's incredibly busy why is that dial so busy it's all white it's nothing but white and silver how the heck did it get so busy it has three sub dials and a four o'clock sub or date window but it's got that outside minute track and it's got the markers are sort of awkwardly positioned sort of inside the minute track i, I don't know i do like it so so that was my baseline. But if I had to call two things out, it's the weird skinny bezel and the awkwardly busy dial. The crown is something that I'm not a huge fan of. It's just a, a very, I don't know. I, Cylindrical. I, I think they could have done better. Yeah. yeah it, it almost looks like it ought to be a pusher. But, you know, we're, we're, we're grasping at straws, obviously, True. to come up with things we don't like, which True. is one of the things we do. You, you know, I, I think that this falls into your sort of neo-chrono uh, or, or neo, is it neo-chrono? 
Neo 70s? Neo 70s chronograph. Um, or, or, you know, even the SSB, this sort of falls into that same world. Although I think it's a little bit bigger than either of those. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a great, I think it's a great choice. I, I think Tissot's got a little bit cooler brand heritage than, well, maybe not cooler. It, it's, it's Swiss. If that's something you're into, this is a great choice for you. Yeah. At that price range. Yeah. And if you're looking to get a watch to rep your NBA team, um, they've got the straps already on it for you gozers cool man what you got next next this is the lay Lacalay powermatic 80 so this watch is cool for a couple reasons one i think this is the most accessible true swiss dress watch and probably the most accessible affordable dress watch period and I, i say that and i have to make a couple caveats one right because I have characterized... You said period, though. Doesn't that mean end of statement? Yeah, but right. There's there's a like a postscript. Oh. <laughs> Continue. So, um, one, it's 39 millimeters. And if you're going to make a dress watch, and it's going to have a four in front of it, you've got a problem in it, my book. It should only be followed by a zero. At the very most, right? And I think a dress watch even needs to be smaller than that. So size on this, 39 millimeters, sign me the heck up. I think that's a bold statement to say it's the most accessible, affordable, true dress watch, though. I think it is. I think it is. And when I say true dress watch, I'm putting some stuff in there, right? You're thinking like Swiss automatic? I want heritage. I want automatic. I want... It doesn't have to be Swiss. But give me a Japanese dress watch that's that's more accessible than this. I can't think of any right now. Maybe like a cocktail time or something. But they're huge. They're too they're, big. They're a little bit on the large side. They're too big. This is going to fall in under that. Now, I've brought it up on a bracelet. And that's what our link is going to be. I uh, really like that bracelet. Bracelet's beautiful. The, the, the transition from case to bracelet is phenomenal. However, these sell on leather and they look amazing on leather as well so the i brought it up on the bracelet just because i want to have a bracelet if i if a watch comes with a bracelet give me the bracelet i don't care about the leather i can get leather i want a bracelet that fits and looks good so i brought this up on the bracelet that's where i'm going to keep it uh here's the other cool thing about this this has the powermatic 80 movement i think the powermatic 80 based on what i know about it is one of the most underrated movements on the market this is a etta 28 24-2 i think that's been heavily modified so tso worked with eta or eta to make this movement their own and what they did is they made it more efficient so Hmm. the 28 24 is a 28,800 beat movement they cut that down and so it's a 21 6 so so instead of eight beats per second it's six beats per second so it's gonna have a little bit more jagged uh, a little bit more noticeable tick to it. It's not going to have that really smooth 28-8 sweep. But in doing that, they took the power reserve from something like 40 hours to 80 fucking hours. So that means you can get off work on Friday, take the watch off, 6 o'clock on Friday afternoon, go all weekend wearing your Bertucci or your Timex or your Casio or whatever, your SKX. Wake up on Monday morning, forget to put your watch back on. And jangle. <laughs> Wake up on Monday morning, forget to put your watch back on, go to work in your SKX in your suit and look like a jerk all day and think, God damn it. Get home Monday afternoon and put this thing on and it's still going to be keeping time. I don't care about that. Well, I'm totally okay with winding and resetting my watch every time I put it on, as long as it's not a Vostok. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Well, I think it's incredibly cool. And and I think that there's a place for it. So even if it's something that you're not going to prioritize, and and I know a lot of people would say, I'll I'll do that. I'll I'll wind my, I'll set and wind my watch. I don't care. I I want that smooth sweep. So that is a subjective, you you know, you you can get the best of two worlds, you know, or you you can't get the best of two worlds here. You've got to pick one or the other. But if this is something you're into, you want a Monday through Friday watch, be able to take it off for the weekend and put it on a Monday, you got it right here. Yeah, I mean, there, there is something to be said for an 80-hour power reserve. Sweet. It, it's a bell and whistle that I doesn't say anything to me, though. 
and I, and I think it's I think it's just beautiful. I, I I think it's I think it's beautiful. You know, it's got a great it's got a great storied movement. You know, that's modified. Uh, the, the watch in and of itself, pretty simple. I don't love the dial. Uh, you, you know, I, I think that they could have done the dial better. It, it's got sort of a waffle pattern on the inside. I think for a dress watch, they could have gone a lot more classic and subtle. Me too. I don't think I don't think the patterning is necessary at all. And, and you know, I don't mind the font. It's a Roman numeral font. Uh, they've got sort of striking V's on it. I don't mind the Lelacla. I don't mind the Powermatic eighty. I still don't love the Tissot eighteen fifty three. Like I don't care when you were started. Um, you, you know, or tell me on the back or something. So I think it's just too busy, you know, and, and I kind of wish it had either no date or a matching date. So, you, you know, in terms of being a true dress watch, I, I think it's problematic in some ways. But I think if someone says, I want the best sort of normally sized dress watch with an automatic movement, what do I get? I think this has to be on the list. I think it makes the list. I don't know if it's my go-to. It's not number one on my list. What would be number one on your list? I think I go the Bambino. It's too big. It's a little bit big, but it doesn't wear big. You know, here's the other thing I don't like: 19 millimeter lugs. Fuck you, Tiso. What? Why? Bambino's 21. I know. I don't want it. I don't want it. Give me an a, a 18 or a 20. Yeah, 38 and 18. That would be the perfect dress watch size. I just don't think. I just don't think it's gonna affect the the aesthetic. I think it's a conscious decision. What What's the lug width on the PR100? Your first watch. Mm, 20. No, really? Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, you're right. 20. But the T-Touch is 21. <clears throat> the Quickster is 19. 19. The Powermatic 80 is 19. Your next watch. So what's your next watch? My next watch is the V8 Chronograph with 22 millimeter lugs. Now, uh, right off the bat, it's a, it's 42 and a half millimeters wide. Uh, price on it. How big? How big? 42 and a half. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's a little big, but yeah, it's good. Uh. 256 at Amazon right now and 390 oh wait yeah and 395 on uh, on the Tiso website I wrote Amazon on my notes twice how much for Amazon 256 245 on Joma shop now this is another racing chronograph that looks this is what I want out of a racing chronograph it's got personality without being um ostentatious without being gregarious it's got this really great black dial uh we pulled up the green bezel the green tack bezel on it and the 12 4 and 8 are white uh they look like the ball that you'd expect on like an eight ball uh shift handle it is so cool this is or like the numbers on a racing car yeah or yeah or the numbers on a racing car like it is so race inspired this is a sexy sexy racing chronograph and this is what i want when i'm thinking chronograph i i immediately go to a racing chronograph this is where my mind is going to go from now on that's my number one thought i think it's fantastic uh you, you, you know the the bezel's derivative of something i'm not sure what um but but everything else is sort of i could do without the crown guards mm, yeah but it's still so sexy and it's coming on this black black rally uh leather strap and if it's a comfortable leather strap i'm not sure i'd change it because it looks so right on that black strap with the it, black dial it looks the good. white highlights uh in the in the the, the circles around the sub dials um and the green just that that just a little bit shift really dark like forest green color change on the bezel is phenomenal um and like i said 42 and a half wide 22 millimeter lugs and again another thin watch at 11.2 millimeters um and again sapphire crystal nothing i don't like about this actually there's not a single detail on here that i'm like meh uh you you know i I would love it if it was 41 millimeters but you can't complain about that you know i can't you know i feel like you can't i love the size of the pushers those push it's got some big honking flat pushers and i love it yep and a good and a good price two fifty six two forty five on Joma Shop two fifty six on Amazon for two hundred fifty bucks. I don't think you can go wrong with a racing chronograph like this. And it's obvious it's a quartz chronograph, which like we've talked about, I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm good with it. But this is most most affordable chronographs are quartz or mecha quartz. One yeah. of the two. Yeah. I I dig this watch. I when I when I came across this day, I got so excited. And when I was looking at the SSB, I looked at the V8 line. Had I seen this, I might not have gotten the SSB. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never, I didn't see this this color scheme. I saw some of the other ones that are they were weren't just they weren't quite right for me. But this watch 
damn, this is going to make it into my watch box. I still take the SSB over this for a couple of reasons. One, that Ion plated bezel. is so good. Love it. Love it. And two, the Mecha Quartz movement. I, I think. I love that also. You, you know, so for approximately half the price for a cooler movement and an Ion plated bezel, I still take the SSB. And I like the size better. But, but most of that's subjective, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, so I, I think that if. You, you want i mean there's a lot of people who say i want a swiss watch i don't want a japanese watch because which is, you know you know again a subjective opinion totally. and, and in fairness the ssb is a lot more versatile yeah, oh, I, yeah i've worn the ssb now uh under a button-up i've worn it in a t-shirt i've worn it under a jacket I've, I've worn it in most areas of my life that don't call for a specific dress watch um shoot i wore it in mexico uh wore it in the pool this watch doesn't have that same versatility which at my point in my in my watch collection, I'm okay with not the most versatile watches. I prefer them, but I'm okay with having a watch that well, I can't wear that in this environment. Yeah, no, this is definitely sportier. You, you're gonna, it's not gonna be quite as versatile, but really neat, really neat. I dig it, man. That looks so good. We gotta move, man. Yeah, we man. gotta move. So the last watch, you knew we were gonna get here, and if you didn't, you're not paying attention. This is a Tissot Heritage Visodate automatic dress watch. Now, this is not better than the Lalaco. It's too big. What's it? 43? It's too big. No, it's not that big. Well, I did I pull up the one website that doesn't have it? Of course you did. It's Sears. So look, these these come in at about 500 bucks. And they're sold at Sears. They, they come in at about 500 bucks. So the problem I had when I tried to look for this is that I couldn't find... I couldn't find the automatic... And, and I, don't, I don't think they've discontinued this, um, but I think that it's... All right, here we go. Here we go. So case size 40 millimeters. So, so it, it's not outrageously big, but I think with the 12 millimeter thickness and the kind of dog bowl case, I call this a dog bowl case because the, the case sides expand from top to bottom, mm-hmm. you, you know, like in the shape of a dog bowl. Uh, I, I think that this just wears a teensy bit big for a dress watch. Now, this doesn't come on a bracelet. I do like, though, that the crown is actually indented into the case. Yeah, yeah. Which which will, I think, alleviate some of the size issue. I, I think you're right. I, I think you're right. <laughs> and, and here's... I think if you get this on a white dial, it's going to be pretty big. I think the black dial is going to wear nice and trim. Mm-hmm. Um, and this dial is a billion times better, literally a billion times better than the Lilakovic dial. And so are the hands. Gosh, I love it. I love it. I love the styling on this. I like that classic Tissot logo. Mm-hmm. No 1853, although it does say Visodate right under the logo, which I'm always like, why, why puts, why put so much there? But not so, but but not as as prominent as mm-hmm. the logo. It's it's a subdued, like almost gray font, as uh, unlike the the Lalaclo, uh, where it's just the same color block print as Tissot. This is Tissot in that cool script, and then a subdued gray i mean that's the only way to put it i think it's gray. i think it's actually silver and, and i'm not sure i'm not 100 percent sure but i i think it might be applied too so you, you you know what you get here with this watch you you get a really sort of conservative style watch uh, i assume that strap is not the best but i think it's probably pretty good i love the hardware uh the hardware on this is phenomenal i love the case back Ooh, can i go back in time can we go back about 10 minutes Look at the case back on this Lilacal, if I can find it. This is the coolest part about this watch. Bruh, look at that. What am I looking at? This is the coolest case back I've literally ever seen in my life. It is a exhibition case back, but it's got a bar across the middle with a very finely engraved Tissot uh mechanique automatique um gives your specifications you can see into that beautiful 2824 movement or or you know the powermatic 80 movement um holy cow dude that's a really really good case for 500 bucks man that is sick uh beautiful absolutely beautiful okay 
Tiso Vizodite. Less cool because it's back. Also pretty cool, but less cool. This has, I think, just a standard 2836-2 caliber Etta. Um, you, you, you know, I, I think this this watch is a little bit more run-of-the-mill than the Lalacal. But beautiful. Beautiful, refined, simple. It's got a day date, which is going to piss people off. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, for the style, I think they could have done just a date or maybe none. Uh, and and it might have been simple. Some people like this, though. This reminds me of of a Seiko circa 1960. This is just a classy looking, simple, refined, utilitarian watch. Something that you could wear to the office, and it's great. I think I think that's a better dress watch option than the than the local. Yeah, the local. The local. The local. That's a place where people live. We have to say it right, dude. You know what, man? I'm sorry. I hope you mispronounce. <laughs> I hope you mispronounce. You certainly mispronounce the the places where we live. Willamette is one that just hangs everyone up. Willamette. 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 <laughs> we have we have a town in Oregon called Aloha, spelled like Aloha. Uh, Aloha, but it's Aloha. Yeah. Yeah. Beaverton. Nobody messes that one no. up, but it's funny. Beavertown. I just wanted to say it. Yeah. Beaverton. Okay. You. That's that. Where, that's where you're from, Beaverton, right? No. Okay. I'm from actual Portland, Portland City Limits. Well, but right there, there's like a chunk of Beaverton. That's but from... I'm not from Beaverton. I'm from Portland City Limits. When people are like, when I find out people are from Oregon, when I when I was living in Oregon, they're like, I'm like, oh, where are you from? Like, oh, uh, Portland. Nope. What, no, you're not. What part of Portland? Where oh, Portland? you know, out by Tigard. Estacada. Get out of here, you fucking asshole. No. All right, man. We got to stop talking about watches because I'm just sick of them. I'm sick of watches. Let's talk about some other things that we like. You, you know, I, I I will say, I like Tissot. I like Tissot better than Bulova. I do, too. I like Tissot better than Bulova. You, you know, they're a little bit more expensive. Most uh, of the you know watches what? I, I don't like it more than Bulova. You like Bulova more? I do. Well, I, I, I'm a Tissot guy. Give me those two choices. I'm going to pick Tissot, I think. Uh, and it's not because I'm a Swiss watch snob or whatever. It's just because I think I think it's a cooler brand. I'm going to pick Accutron over any t- any Tissot offering. Even that Powermatic? You don't like the Powermatic. Yeah, I'll, I'll set it every time. I don't need 80 hours of power reserve. No, I don't give, give me an Accutron. Sorry for making fun of you. I wasn't really making fun of you. I just felt like... It doesn't hurt. Okay. Because it was ridiculous. <laughs> Other stuff, man. What you got? So we talked about it a little bit already, but I just read the uh, A Man on the Moon by Andrew Chaikin, and, and basically he chronicles the um, the dawn of the of the space age uh, and, and ties in all these... Um, interviews that he did i mean he spent eight years writing this book interviewing the astronauts on the apollo missions um and it was just an absolutely killer book the the and i so i listened to it um and it got me really excited all over again about space mm-hmm. and about space traveling and about exploration um and it, it they he just went into these really great details about the the goals of the apollo missions and and how these guys Kind of, they they transition from being pilots only to to geologists, uh, and and one of the last men to walk on the moon was was a trained geologist by trade, and he had to go through flight school after he was selected to the astronaut program to be able to land the lunar module on the moon, uh, which is which is crazy to me. Um, I just got me really really excited about it, and uh, thinking about our space travels and what's to come, um, and it's. It's still an exciting time because we didn't land on the moon that long ago. Mm-mm. It, it's been just a blink of an eye. 1969 was the first time we set foot on the moon, and we're not that far off, um, you know, from further space exploration. Well, you know, I think we talked about this, you and I did recently, but I think the right stuff came out in 1983, mm-hmm. approximately, right around there, circa 1983. More time significantly at this point more time has passed since the right stuff came out as the time that elapsed between people being on the moon the events depicted in the right stuff and and the time the movie was made so you know you look at that that movie and it's clearly a period piece and they're hearkening back to old clothes and old sort of things as a period piece as you would in a period piece but 
it the movie feels really modern today well the movie's older than than space travel was when they made that yep you know crazy to me it's crazy to me to think of that it's like the dinosaurs you know here oh stegosaurus and tyrannosaurus lived further apart than us and stegosaurus or whatever i don't know the dinosaurs well enough to yeah know but in the land before time they're contemporaneous <laughs> they just kicked it man yeah but they're you know these animals lived you know i feel like it's that same sort of like holy cow i can't believe this thing well it's always that thing they talk about where if you were to if you were to hold your arms out and run a, a nail file over your fingertip, the, the material removed from your fingernail accounts for human life and your wingspan accounts for the lifetime of the earth. If that made any sense. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'll have to unpack that later when I'm like super drunk or something. That'll help. Yeah. That'll help. But uh, on the space thing, a, the Canadian CHIME telescope, and I don't remember what the CHIME stands for, but it's an acronym for the group that collaborated to build it um nambla yeah okay definitely them uh detected some uh fast radio bursts the chimo division of nambla yeah and it's only the second time that fast radio bursts have been detected uh the previous detection was in 2015 in puerto rico but this one uh they've detected it several times and they think there's something with it right uh so they what they've just said is that it comes from a special place in the universe <laughs> Uh, but with, with still this still on the Nambla thing, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's the special place. <laughs> the uh, so, but th- this is the first time they've detected it from the same source a couple times, uh, which is which is really cool. And then it got me looking into like the Voyagers that we've sent out these unmanned probes that have just been sent out into deep space that have the golden record. Uh, and I, I just I don't know. I got excited about space travel again, and I think over my lifetime, one of my regrets will always be that I wasn't smart enough to be an astronaut. Yeah, no, me too. I wish I was an astronaut. In the 60s, though, not a modern astronaut. They don't do anything. Well, well not to disparage, but, but they didn't go to the moon. I want people to go to the moon. I want to go to the moon. Yeah. Well, you could you, you could do a branch transfer to Donald Trump's new... Space Ops. Sp- space Force. Yeah, Space Force. Division of the Air yeah. Force. So it's not going to be a separate uniform service. They're, <coughs> they're going to fall under the Air, Air Force now. Even though there's already Space Ops in the Army and the Air Force... Well, yeah, I mean, there's aviation in the Army. Then there's space ops. Yeah, so uh, it makes sense. I I mean, I I think it's actually stupid. I don't think it makes sense. But I was going to say earlier when you were talking about this, you you know, it's very cool to me that we're sort of, as as a people, as a country, as a nation, sort of dedicated to uh, exploration in theory, you you know, science and expansion. And and that is not to say anything about, uh, you you know, the current state of affairs, but at some point, I would love for us to start thinking about expanding our national presence in the exploration and the science again, you know, because I think in the 60s, that was really cool. And it was controversial. You know, not everyone loved it. You watch First Man or you watch the right stuff and you can see the vestiges of that controversy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're spending all this money. That's problematic. Um, but... They did it anyway. Yeah. And holy cow, look at all the cool stuff. You, you, you know, I feel the same way about that as I feel about the arts. You, you know, even if you're not, even if you're not directly gaining something from every step of the process, engaging in the process, you, you know, engaging in art as a country, engaging in science and exploration as a country, as a people in a unified effort makes everything better. We learn and we, we grow and we go to the fucking moon, man. Yeah. Man. I'm ready to go to the moon. Let's do it. 50 million bucks can get you on a first commercial trip. <laughs> or maybe it's 20 million bucks. So anything else about that book? It sounds great. Read it's it. It's not made by the same guy who makes the Joker watches, Alexander Chaikin, right? No, Andrew Okay. Chaikin. Alexander Chaikin? Constantine Chaikin. Yeah. Yeah. Different okay. name. Different. They're different guys. Different guy. They're probably related. I, you know, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. So my, my other thing is, and this is a thing that doesn't even exist yet, but... I like it. I think today, the trailer for Jordan Peele's new Twilight Zone series oh, yes. came out. No, they've had a trailer. They did a Super Bowl trailer. Well, they did a, they did a, like a teaser, teaser. Okay. in the Super Bowl, and you didn't really see anything. But the actual trailer trailer came out, which actually has footage from the, the episodes throughout the seasons... And it looks incredible. I mean, it's hard. You you don't get any sort of substance. You just get sort of flashes of the episodes. But it looks like the mood is going to be hella creepy. Did you watch the trailers for the movie they're dropping? Uh Uh-uh. Who? Who? Which? Who's they? Which Uh, they? Kim Peele. Oh, no, I didn't. Which which movie? It's it's another horror movie, but it's not like Get Out. It doesn't look like. It looks scary as shit. 
he's Jordan Peele in particular, I, I think is just super duper smart and has, and just has a great eye. I think he's going to probably be one of the best director, producer, writer types of our, of our generation. I think you're right on that. You, you, you know, and, and time, time is yet to tell, obviously, right? He's just sort of getting started, but as a young person who's just sort of getting going, he is, he has nailed it a couple of times. So I'm super excited about this. The trailer dropped. You can check it out. Just Google, jordan peele twilight zone trailer or probably just even twilight zone trailer you can get us you can get a feel for it, it they're clearly hearkening back to the original series it so felt that way just in the teaser there's a fairly famous i think one of the most famous twilight zone episodes is this um william shatner episode where he's sort of haunted by a demon that only he can see well one of the scenes in this trailer has that original sort of uh demon in it and kind of floating in this looks sweet and i think that uh adam scott adam scott from um party down parks and rec parks and rec exactly i think he's reprising the the role of william shatner oh um you you know there's there's a ton of great actors in this the casting looks great everything looks perfect only available on cbs all access it's a cbs all access streaming show interesting So, so i think cbs all access is sort of feeling the success of a star trek thing going on right now which i've yet to watch even though i have all access so maybe try that but i think that they're trying to sell themselves as a standalone streaming service uh to get into that game and 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 if this is successful i think it'll it'll help put them on that map so because they're gonna have to do more than star trek to to get in and twilight zone i i mean obviously they'll have to do more than that but i think that this actually really bolsters their their scene so that's it man that's what i got that's my other stuff I couldn't take very long because you took so much time I took on yours. Forever. Yeah, I'm an asshole. Are you got anything else for me, man? No, I don't have anything else. Next week we got a special one for you, so make sure you uh, come back in. Uh, of note, keep giving us feedback. We appreciate it. Yeah, keep keep writing in. If if there's anything you want us to talk about, let us know. Engage with us. We appreciate it. We're just two dudes drinking beer, hanging out, talking about watches. Uh, join the conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, man. All righty. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.